Well, welcome back in off the weekend that has seen Sebastian Fondura get an impressive decision win, maintain his status as the WBC Don't Laugh interim junior middleweight champion. Uh, he does get the decision win. He's in a great spot as the top contender at 154 pounds. And we're ready to talk about that. The rest of the Showtime PBC fight card, much more. And here from the former IBF 168-pound champ, Caleb Plant, who will be in action on the upcoming Deontay Wilder, Robert Hellenius pay-per-view in Brooklyn, New York. Plant fighting Anthony Dog Durrell Saturday night. And my man, Dan Rayfield, talked with him. You're going to hear that interview. Speaking of Dan Rayfield, off the weekend, good to be back with you. How are things with you? You enjoyed the Showtime show. I could tell as you wrote our recaps for the website. How are things as we come in on the recap podcast? Well, I enjoyed the Showtime card, but more more enjoyable was watching the Giants doing a big game against the Packers on Sunday. <laughs> All right, so full disclosure here on the Fight Freaks Unite podcast. The kid here, as I refer to myself, not Dan. The kid has been in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, a wild, wild college football game Saturday night that I called on the radio where Alabama beat Texas A&M in the final seconds and remains undefeated, remains number one in the country. All right, it took several hours for us to get out of Tuscaloosa, head north to Birmingham, drop your guy, Tiki Barber, the former New York Giant, <laughs> off at the hotel. Then the producer of the radio game and I drove all the way to Atlanta, about three and a half hours total of driving. I flew all morning Airport all morning, got to Tampa and work in the 95-degree heat. The Buccaneer win over the Atlanta Falcons with Tom Brady, nemesis of the New York Giants, by the way. Or Giants actually nemesis to him. Yeah, we beat him twice in the all Super Bowl. Right. What so, are you yeah, talking that's about? That's correct. I don't, what, am I, what am I talking about? I'm delirious. I was in the heat. Uh, Brady and the Bucks get the win, and now I'm sitting down to do the Fight Freaks Unite podcast while my man Rayfield's been breaking it all down, writing the recaps, etc. So there's the full disclosure on what's happened this weekend. Um, and then we're going to hear the Caleb Plant interview, uh, et cetera. By the way, let's remind the folks, however you found this podcast, whether you found us through a social media link of Dan's of Big Fight Weekends on the Big Fight Weekend website, Dan's Substack, Fight Freaks Unite Substack, make sure you're following or subscribing because you're going to get great po uh, podcast content, including this Caleb Plant conversation coming up here as he's in the co-feature um, on the uh, Wilder Hellenius card because Dan talked to him one-on-one. -on -one. You get this kind of content with us if you're with us here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. And they need to be following and subscribing because Dan always likes to add, if they are, they don't have to be prompted, right? Right, because as my friend TJ Reeves has said, they'll get, a, they'll get a prompt, they'll get a ding, they'll get a bell, they'll get a light, they'll get a vibration, they'll get something to tell them that the podcast is now available. And there you go. And you got that with the Fight Freaks Unite. We are here for the people off the weekend in the recap mode. Usually the preview is out by Friday morning, late night, Thursday, Friday morning. Recap usually out late Sunday, Monday morning off the weekend. We've done well with that. Thank you to the audience as it continues to grow. Caleb Plant in a few minutes. First, the recap, the towering inferno. Would it be fair to say you were not as impressed with the judges by wide margin? You thought this was a closer fight with Carlos Ocampo. It is a decision win. What are your thoughts in the recap mode? As Fondora gets the victory by unanimous decision, Dan. Oh, I don't have a huge problem with the judges. Obviously, this is not uh, controversial. I thought that it was maybe one round closer. So the uh, official judges, one judge had it 119-109, which basically doesn't give Ocampo any credit for even showing up, basically. One judge had it 118-110. One judge had it 117-111. I had it 116-112. to 112. But I could certainly see it being 117 or 118. I mean, it was, you know, it was a Fondora. Uh, pretty wide win uh, where, where the, the difference of opinion probably uh, comes up is that Fundora and, uh, 
and Ocampo had, I thought it was much closer in those first few rounds of the fight where Ocampo was, uh, you know, doing pretty well um, from about maybe like the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. You know, he was in the fight, even if he wasn't necessarily winning, he was landing some good shots. And uh, in the later part of the fight, it was, uh, you know, all uh, uh, Fundora. You know, Ocampo gave a great effort. Uh, I'm glad that on our Bet US show, I took the money line. I was debating with myself, mm-hmm. knockout or, or decision. Uh, the decision totally did not shock me. Um, and it, but it was a good fight. It was, uh, as I like to say, a good one-sided fight. Fandora uh, got the win. I wish the guy who's six foot six would learn how to use his height a little bit more. It was right. a weird fight from this standpoint. For like the first three rounds, he did use the jab and he tried to use that length advantage of his. And then in the last couple of rounds, when he clearly had the fight in the bag and maybe he was getting a little bit tired and didn't want to stand and trade anymore, you know, he started to go back to that a bit. But for those long sections in the middle of the fight from like around round four to probably around round nine, uh, you know, he just stood there in the middle of the ring with them and they put their chest together and they went and banged it out on the inside. Um, you know, it, it was made it good for us fans, I guess, to watch, but it seemed entirely unnecessary for, uh, for Fundora to put now himself let's in that add kind of this. Because uh, I did not get to see the full fight. I've only seen a clip or two, read your recap. But apparently Fundora was battering Ocampo enough that Jack Reese, the referee, came over and admonished him that he didn't have a whole lot on his punches and, it, and the fight may be coming to an end. And I may be looking good there at that point for a Fundora stoppage or KO on the Bet US show. But no, the fight goes ahead and goes the distance. Jack Reese actually interjected himself a couple of different ways in this fight, right? Yeah, that was that. that I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for Jack Reese. He's one of the best referees in the world. He's been so for a long time. Uh, I know Jack a little bit, talk to him. Um, you know, I've, I've interviewed him for different stories over the years. Just He's a really good guy, and he's a hell of a referee. And uh, I've actually I used him as a sort of as a, a philosophical source, if you will, in this, from the standpoint of to – not, not for necessarily a story, but just to sit down with him when I've been out at fights in California to just talk to him and, and pick his brain about what referees look for, what signs for stoppages. You know, he was good at explaining that. Um, I've seen him because I've been to rules meetings in California where they do the, the, uh, the, the rules and explain all the stuff about uh, the different things that go into, you know, what they tell the corners and, and basically just to let everybody know what the deal is. And uh, I've seen Jack uh, go over all of that stuff with them. You know, he's very... Uh, specific and, and leaves everybody in that room on both fighter camps at ease with what's going to take place on the fight night. In any event, in that particular fight between Fundor and Ocampo, I did think he did insert himself a little bit too much. After round number eight, he went to the Ocampo corner and basically told the corner to tell him that I don't see anything on his punches. His body language is bad. And if he doesn't pick it up, I'm going to stop the fight. And Al Bernstein, who if you listen to Al Bernstein for any length of time over all these years, he's done a professional boxing broadcast. He's as chill and down the middle and even handed announcer as you will ever find. And that was about as pissed off as I've ever seen Al Bernstein on the broadcast because he was right. There was no reason for that to take place because Ocampo, you know, it's not, it's not the referee's uh, problem. If he doesn't have anything on his punches, the point is he was throwing a lot of punches. He was landing a lot of punches. Maybe they didn't have huge uh, steam on them, but a lot of guys, in boxing matches, throw punches and land and aren't exactly the biggest punchers in the world. From my viewpoint, I didn't see anything really negative about the body language. He seemed like he wanted to be there. He was trying hard. Um, you know, he had won a couple of rounds. And actually, after uh, the ref- after Jack Reese had gone to the corner, he actually had a pretty good round in the ninth round. So that was not the greatest thing. And then later in the fight, there was also a moment where, um, where Jack Reese went to 
I don't remember if it was that fight or if it was the, one of the other no, fights. No, it was he, Ocampo's corner. Yeah, after they, the they spilled water. Round, after yeah, the they spilled round. water in the corner, and he and he, and he admonished. And this was not necessarily a, a bad thing to do. You know, you can't do that. They were clearly trying to buy time to give Ocampo a little extra breathing, uh, so they'd have to be forced to clean up the mess they made in the corner, which would delay the start of the round for you know ten or fifteen seconds. So just give him that little extra breath, and uh, I thought Jack actually handled that fairly well because he didn't take a point, which was entirely unnecessary uh, and would have perhaps, you know, turned out not to, but if you thought the fight was close, he basically went to the commission table and said, I want you to find them. Whether they'll actually follow through with that remains to be seen. And that is uh, something that the referee can do. Um, but that the, the drama of the fight was unfortunately partially related to the referee. Um, but in the end, Fundora gets the win going away. Uh, he didn't knock Ocampo out in the first round, the way Errol Spence did in Ocampo's only other loss it, uh, back in a, uh, a welterweight title fight he had a few years ago. He had won 12 fights in a row since then. Now he loses to Fundora. But Ocampo's got nothing to be ashamed of. He put up a hell of an effort. I'm not saying he's ever going to be a world champion, but he's certainly a serviceable opponent for, for a younger fighter or for, you know, maybe another contender. And uh, for Fundora, you know, he he wants to move on. He wants Charlo for the, for, the, for the undisputed title. He's the mandatory in the WBC as their interim champion. Uh, the way I see it, that's not likely to happen next, TJ, because... Uh, Charlo is going to fight Tim Zhu in January. That's a WBO mandatory. That mandatory is taking place because they made another step aside deal with Bakram, who's the IBF mandatory, who's actually the one that's on the clock already. And so you got to figure maybe Bakram gets the next shot after that, which puts Fundora three fights back uh, in mandatories. And who knows how long Charlo's going to hold those belts, you know, or what's going to happen. What's your educated guess on who might be next real quick for Fondora with having laid out, he's not going to get his hands on Charlo in the next conservative eight, 10 months. He's not oh, I think it's longer, than that. it's longer than that. Who's he going to fight? Give me an educated guess on who might it be because he had a great fight with Lubin. It's probably not a rematch. Anybody else that's out there on the radar? I mean, I, they could maybe look into a rematch, I guess. At, I mean, I think fans would be interested. I don't know if Lubin would, uh, that would not be the best thing for Lubin, probably not. Um, you know, look, uh, PBC, they work with other junior middleweights. You know, could he get a fight? I'm just right off the top of my head because like I looked this up before we started to talk about this. You know, uh, Tony Harrison is out there as a mm -hmm. good junior middleweight for a long time. Um, you know, when uh, when uh, when Tim Zhu fought Terrell Gachet, Gachet put up a pretty good effort. It wasn't like an embarrassing loss. You know, Gachet's an Olympian. Uh, he's fought for a world title. That's a guy that's in the PBC group. Maybe they give Gachet a chance to fight Fandor. In other words, uh, those are just two names. And I'm sure if I went and looked at the entirety of their PBC roster, you could find other 154 pounders that would match up. That would be the type of fight that Showtime would be willing or interested to put on. Um, but the, something more dramatic will have to happen probably in order for Fundora, at least in the near future, to get a shot against Charlo. I just don't see that happening already. The, the, the zoo fight's not even taking place till January. I mean, that fight's been looked at for January for the last few months. I have no idea why he hasn't had a second fight in 2022 uh, talking about Charlo. Um, you know, he and his brother are, are somewhat inactive. And uh, Fundora just, uh, you know, that's one of the things, that's one of the byproducts. We, we love, I think most fans enjoy the fact that there's an undisputed champion. But what it does do is it does delay championship opportunities for other well, fighters especially which, if you're not going to defend he beat castaniel what in may and you haven't yeah, it was defended, like it was this, you know the whole summer and into the fall you haven't defended the title so 
Yeah, to my knowledge, he's not injured. I mean, he's got some legal issues that he's dealing with, but I don't think anything that's like keeping him from, uh, you know, from from doing his job, which is professional boxing. All right, co-feature fight. You and I uh, thought that Carlos Adamas in this matchup uh, with Mon uh, with Juan Montiel uh, might take some time to be able to get a victory. You and I both believed on the Bet US show probably a decision. Uh-uh. He blew. I was him away. surprised. Blew him away. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was real surprised. I mean, Adamas is. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of knockouts, but I thought this one had you know, a lengthy fight, if not distance, written all over it, just based on the toughness that Montiel has had. Um, not a guy that gets stopped often. Went 12, uh, took a, you know, a one-sided defeat in, on the scorecards, but gave a great effort and was in the fight to some degree, at least uh, round by round against the 160-pound the uh, Charlo when they fought for the WBC title back um, in, uh, in uh, last summer, not, not uh, you know, in 2021. Uh, in June uh, of 2021. So, you know, I thought Montiel would give Adamas, you know, uh, not necessarily win the fight, but competition. And he just didn't. He, you know, one thing he hasn't learned since the Charlotte fighter before that is Montiel stands and doesn't really move his head, doesn't really move his feet. He's a sitting duck. And the thing, and and, uh, the Showtime commentators, uh, particularly Al Bernstein, comment about this. You know, Adamas is an orthodox right-handed fighter, but he turned southpaw and started letting that right hook fly that nobody really knew that he had. And he caught him with a, with that shot a few times and did some major damage. And, uh, you know, the first round was nothing happened, basically. They combined for barely any punches. Second round, Adamas picked up the pace a little bit, landed some shots, but nothing earth-shattering. It's worth, you know, he won the, the round 10 to 9. And then in the third round, he just started to put the shots together, landed a couple of right hooks, uh, badly, badly hurt uh, Montiel, backed him up into a corner and just started letting those hands fly more another three, four five punches or whatever it was. And the referee stepped in and stopped it. And, you know, I saw some people on social media say, Oh, not the best stoppage, but you didn't see uh, one uh, Macias Montiel complain about it whatsoever. You know, he was, he was staggered and that was a good stoppage. I thought, and uh, that was a great win uh, for Adamas. I mean, I don't want to get carried away because it's not like Macias is uh, the second coming of some top, top middleweight. You know, mm-hmm. he's not Jermaine Taylor or Kelly Pavlik or, or Canelo Alvarez, or pick your other top middleweights, or Charlo, or whoever. Uh, but it's a good victory for the guy, because remember, he had had most of his career as a junior middleweight. He had lost an uh, interim title fight to Patrick Tosita a couple few years ago, won three fights in a row, uh, won at junior middleweight, his first two at middleweight. This was his third fight at middleweight, and um, he did a good job. He gets the interim WBC title that was available because of the inactivity of, uh, of Charlo. And we'll see if he can get a, a fight with Charlo in the next fight. That's what he called out afterwards. You know, this was the fight to make him the mandatory. And hopefully that fight will happen. I think that's an interesting fight. I mean, you know, particularly if he's going to fight in that kind of uh, explosive manner against Charlo, the way he did against uh, against uh, Montiel. All right. So impressive for Carlos Adamas. Just round out the card again. Caleb Plant conversation coming up one-on-one with Dan in a few moments here on the Fight Freaks Unite uh, recap. Uh, round out the card here that included the opening fight on the card with Martinez and Ken and Casas um, for a, a rematch. Uh, tell me what happened there in that one. Well, Fernando Martinez uh, with his blue hair. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't think, see that. I think yes. the blue hair because of the shade of it, I think it was probably related to the same color of blue that's in the flag of Argentina. That's the best <laughs> that I can come up with Okay, because he's from Argentina. In any event, he had the rematch with the Philippines, Jerwin Ancasas, who they had had the fight in February, uh, and Martinez came into that fight. He was undefeated, but very unknown. And, you know, Jerwin uh, Ancasas had had the title for a while. He was the longest reigning uh, active title holder in boxing. He had 
been certainly the longest reigning uh, active title holder in that weight class for several years. And uh, it was a, it was sort of a big surprise when uh, not only did Martinez win, but he did so, you know, fairly comfortably uh, in, a, in a good fight. And then in this rematch, uh, it was sort of similar. It was another pretty good fight, but it was even, I think, even a more dominating performance uh, from Martinez. He wins 119, 109, 118, 110 times two. And uh, that was not controversial. That seemed to be legit. I mean, maybe you could give uh, Jerwin another round, uh, but there was no uh, no doubt about who the winner was. You know, Jerwin had some, uh, some you know, had, I don't know if it was a bloody nose or bloody mouth. He had some blood on his face. Maybe it was also he had a headbutt, that uh, accidental headbutt that had opened up a cut under over one of his eyes. Um, you just got to figure that maybe uh, you got the, you know, the, the, the youth of uh, Martinez, not so much the youth and age, because from an, from a, on the calendar, he's actually a little older than Jerwin, but just in terms of the amount of professional fights and the wear and tear, this was only his 15th fight. Acasas was in like his 30, uh, 38th fight. So he's taken more punishment and uh, it was a good, good, good victory for Martinez. And what I liked about him, he's not looking to just rest on his laurels. He knows he's in a hot division. 115 pounds has got a lot of talent in there. He was calling out Chocolatito Gonzalez when the fight was over. So I'm not sure those fights happen, but you know, Martinez now is a title holder in that weight class. He is undefeated in that weight class includes obviously the great Chocolatito, Francisco, uh, Carlos Padras, uh, Jesse Bam Rodriguez, who's one of the title holders, uh, you know, Sarungi side, if he decides to continue, obviously Quadras, uh, you know, lost to, uh, to Bam Rodriguez also, but there's talent at that weight class. There's Joshua Franco has a, has a, a belt in that weight class. So, you know, there's, there's some good fighters and some good fights that can be made. Uh, you know, they're not with PBC. We'll see if that can be worked out, but you know, good victory for the kid. Okay, so there's your recap off the Showtime PBC card. As we mentioned, premier boxing champions will come across the country later this week for the Deontay Wilder, a much-anticipated return if you're a boxing fan and a heavyweight boxing fan fighting Robert Hellenius. The co-feature fight right before that fight, scheduled to come off on the pay-per-view at Barclays Center, is Caleb Plant and Anthony Durrell. Without further delay, Dan spoke one-on-one with Sweet Hands Plant on a myriad of subjects. Uh, his layoff out, off the loss to Canelo Alvarez, the birth of his new child, fighting Darrell, and more. Let's get to it. I want to welcome into the podcast this week. It is the former IBF super middleweight champion of the world. It is Caleb Plant. Caleb, thank you for being here. Thank you. Welcome. How you been? Been good, man. Been uh, working hard. Camp's been good. Um, you know, excited to get in there on the 15th. I know it's been a minute since I fought, but, you know, shortly after the Canelo fight, we got right back to work. Um, cleaned a few things up and, you know, kept really working hard on things that we had a lot of success with. So I've been working for a long time and uh, I'm ready to fight. Well, let people know, just uh, in case they are not aware, you are taking on uh, former two-time WBC champion Anthony Durrell. It's the co-feature October 15th on the uh, card that is headlined by the heavyweight fight between Deontay Wilder and Robert Hellenius, Fox Sports pay-per-view at Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Uh, Solid, solid card, and obviously a very interesting main event and a very good co-feature. Uh, certainly a fight that could be a headliner. Maybe not on a pay-per-view, uh, Caleb, but certainly a headline caliber fight. Uh, just, I was first wanted to start off by by talking. You mentioned it's been a minute since you had your fight with uh, Canelo. Uh, that'll be your first fight coming up with Darrell. Be your first fight in eleven months. You fought Canelo for the undisputed championship uh, in a unification. Uh, didn't go your way. You got stopped in the in the fight, and I just wonder. Uh, uh, 
it was your first ever career defeat. You put up a hell of an effort before that that stoppage, and I just wonder if you could reflect on that fight and uh, and just now that you've had a, a long time, obviously to to think about it, to decompress about it, and and uh, and collect your views on it. How did you think that fight went? Was it everything that you thought it would be, other than you not winning? How how good was Canelo, and uh, how was your performance in your mind? Um. Well, you know, obviously, um, I've headlined other Fox. Um, shows before, so as far as the media obligations, it honestly wasn't too much more than that. Um, nothing that I felt like was out of place or anything like that. Um, you know, obviously on fight night, the fans and stuff like that, uh, never been in a situation like that, but even at that point, you know, I didn't really feel too out of place. And um, as far as the fight with Canelo, like, I didn't really feel too out of, I didn't feel out of place, you know, there either. So, you know, I felt like I put up, you know, a hell of a performance. You know, I didn't go my way. Um, and, uh, but hey, you know, that's, sometimes that's just part of life, you know what I'm saying? So uh, it was disappointing. I didn't show up to lose. I, I didn't show up just to hand my belt over. Obviously, you know, you've seen the type of performance I put on. And, um, but it's just about, you know, not sitting around looking at my wounds too much and uh, getting right back to work. So why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced. From the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beat brand for heart health support, the new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Super Beats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. Do you view it as, uh, you know, listen, I know you wanted to win the fight, but, you know, in the scheme of things, in your career... You know, if at the end of the day, you know, you end up retiring with with, a, with an excellent career, and you end up getting getting a loss, you know, in a big time undisputed fight against Canelo Alvarez, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame someday, like and was pound for pound. I mean, I suppose there are worse ways you could go. It's not like you lost to a nobody. Yeah, I mean, I may not see it the exact same way in my eyes. You know, what I'm saying I come to win, and I'm a winner. I've been a winner since I was a kid. That's what I was born to do. That's what I was bred to do, and that's my mentality. So, you know, it's disappointing regardless of however much else I accomplished. But, you know, I'm looking to continue on in my winning ways, get this fight out the way, you know, continue to move on to bigger and better fights, and, uh, you know, keep picking the super middleweight division off one by one until I can get that rematch. So you said you got back to work pretty much right away. I wondered uh, sort of how long did it take you to for lack of a better phrase, get over the loss? I mean, you know, again, I'm not someone who just sit around and leave my wounds, you know what I'm saying? Um, things aren't always going to go your way. And so, you know, you can sit around and cry and complain about it, or you can, you know, get back to work and take responsibility for the things that you can take responsibility for that following you and tighten those things up and continue to, you know, like I said, work on things that you've had success with and um, just keep moving. 
And, you know, that's my mentality. That's how I approach life. That's how I approach boxing. And um, regardless of what comes up in my life or even, you know, after a loss, that's not going to deter me from my goals or dreams or what I want to accomplish in life or in the sport of boxing. You know, I'm going I'm to keep pushing and do what I got to do to you know, right my wrongs and, and keep moving forward. All right, so before I ask you more particular about uh, Anthony Durrell and, and this upcoming fight, uh, I know that I, I follow you on social media. Uh, I know uh, back in August, uh, you and your wife, Jordan, welcomed your daughter. Uh, you've got the name here, Charlie Lynn Plant. And by the way, an outstanding birthday, August 25th, happens to also be my birthday. So congratulations. Oh, yeah. nice. <laughs> so nice. I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, and I, I mean, my son is nine years old, so it's been a minute since he was an infant, but I'm wondering... How has fatherhood been for you? How is it? I mean, you've obviously been in training camp while that's been happening. How is that going? How has it sort of changed your outlook on life or even on your career? I know a lot of uh, fighters talk about when they have children, it, it re-motivates them to, you know, make make a better life for their children. Obviously, you know, you've had a championship career already and, and I think made pretty good money, so it's not so much about that only. But tell me about what how that has changed you, I guess. Well, it's definitely brought, you know, new added motivation to this camp and going into this fight and, you know, the things that I want to accomplish and do, you know, moving forward. Um, as far as training camp, it hasn't changed. Um, training camp, it'll, I've been able to, you know, be away from, uh, you know, it's not like I'm in the same room with her where she's crying and, and keeping me up or anything like that. So uh, training camp has been the same. My sleep hasn't been disrupted. My training hasn't been disrupted. You know, we got a good team around us and, Jordan, you know, she's fully supportive of everything I do with boxing. And um, so, you know, as far as that goes, everything has been the same. But like I said, going into this fight and moving forward, you know, I got a lot of new added motivation and, um, you know, I'm fully focused. And you're home in Vegas training and living at home with with the newborn and going like you're like going to work and like a normal person in Vegas to yeah. your camp. Right. It's not like you went away to camp. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm here, you know, but I'm in. um you know, I'm in a place where I can't be disrupted by, you know, it's not like I'm on the couch or something like that, but I'm in a place in the, uh, wow, I'm not disrupted by any of my training. You know, we still have, you know, the massage therapist here, the, the nutritionist here, the strength and conditioning with Coach Way, the training with my dad and Breadman. So, um, you know, everything has been exactly the same. And, you know, I, I've been in a situation where I'm not like, like I said, being disrupted or having to, you know, do a whole bunch of extra stuff. And you just mentioned uh, your trainer, uh, Breadman, that's Stephen Edwards. And I wanted to ask you about that. Obviously, uh, that's a new uh, addition to your camp. You hadn't trained with him before. You'd been with Justin for many years. I wonder if you could uh, – I, I, didn't, I didn't realize when you made that change. If you could just talk a little bit about when you made that change and sort of what was the um, – you know, your thought process about making that change. I mean, I don't know if it was strictly related to because of the fact that you're coming off of a, of a first defeat or you felt like there just needed to be differences. I mean, obviously, you and Justin were together for many years. Um, is your father still part of the camp? So just take me through a little bit about the, the thought process about making that change. I mean, Bredman Edwards, he's got a tremendous reputation as a great boxing mind, and I, I think a lot of him. Yeah. I mean, you know, just in life in general, you know, sometimes relationships play the course. And, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily a situation where it was something that I called for, or, but it was just a situation that came about. And so, you know, at that point it was – um, I felt like on me to um, look about to see who I felt like would be a good fit for this team and me and my dad. And uh, Brad Man was a man that I came up with. We trained. He, he had come to Vegas and worked 
we worked together. I went to Philly a couple of times and worked with him. And um, great chemistry. You know, he's an easygoing guy, but there's no bullshit when it comes to the gym and, and training. And that's how me and my dad approach it, too. We're not here to, you know, play around or go light in the gym. We, we, we get after it. You know, I don't see too many people in all of boxing who are out working me. So um, he has the same approach. And uh, I like his approach, his IQ to the boxing game. He's also a boxing historian, which is someone who I, I respect. You know, I take my craft serious. I take boxing serious. And, uh, you know, it's a sport that I study, you know, on a regular basis. So um, it, it was a great fit and um, it's been a great camp. When uh, I'm just curious when you made that change, approximately. Um, it, it was sometime between the uh, the last, I mean, between the Canelo fight and this fight. It was sometime, uh, what is it right now? October. Like, we, we officially got it settled. Like, okay, Bretman's going to be the guy, like, sometime in the summer. Okay, so in other words, it's now, I was asking that because I wanted to see just how long you've had to sort of exclusively be with him to sort of take in, you know, the way he works with a fighter and for him to see how you yeah. work as a fighter. And, you know, it does take some time to build, uh, even though if you had great chemistry as you weren't, went and worked with him yeah. a little bit in the gym, you know, you've been around the boxing game a long time. It does take some yeah. time to uh, to kind of get used to each other, I guess. But um, absolutely. But even then, you know, we have been in touch. It was someone that I would reach out to, you know, if I have certain questions about, you know, what would he think about this situation or that situation when it comes to a boxing match or a scenario in a boxing match. You know, there's very few people, you know, honestly, there's very few people whose boxing opinion I respect in the sport, you know, um, and he's one of them. So even in the past, you know, we, we had been in contact, stayed in contact where I would reach out and ask certain questions. So you know, even when uh, we first linked up, it wasn't our first time talking about boxing or, or meeting up to, you know, go over boxing. Gotcha. Okay. I didn't know if you had even known each other, but now you obviously, you tell me you have. Um, so yeah. as far as Darrell goes, I must say, uh, I've watched you guys go back and forth a little bit. I saw some of your your press conference when you guys were in Brooklyn uh, to, to kick off the promotion. You know, I don't think it's uh, lost in anybody that it, it would come off as though you two guys do not like each other. Uh, am I right in that assessment, number one? And if so, what's the beef, I guess? I mean, you know, I'm not a fan of really anybody who's trying to get in the way of the things I'm trying to accomplish, you know, my dreams and my goals since I've had, since I was a little kid. I mean, when I was nine years old, it's not like I wanted to be an astronaut or right. a scientist. You know, I wanted to be a fighter. And so I've held that dream close to me since since then. So anyone trying to get in the way of that, that up for me, you know, it's not someone I'm going to be super fond of. We're fighting, so it's not like I, we need to be best friends anyways. I'm also the type of guy I don't really associate myself or hang out with, you know, people who are in my weight class or my division. I don't see that as something that's, like, logical or a good idea to be hanging out, kicking it. You know, I don't drink. I don't really go to the club. I don't party. And a lot of these guys do. So, you know, do you, uh, it's hard for me to do you, I would say, do you at least respect him? him as a fighter I have a certain amount of respect for him as a fighter as far as you know anyone gets who gets in that ring or anyone who becomes two-time champion in the world you know I, I have some respect for that now as far as his skills and how they match up against mine there's not a whole lot of respect there I don't think that his skills matching up against mine or what he could do in the ring in comparison to what I can do you know that that's not going to match up with it I, I don't so he but is. as far as I Person or who he is, not really, no. So when you fought Canelo, uh, 
people may forget. He had a what I thought was a very impressive knockout in the fourth round against Marcos Hernandez on your undercard that night. Uh, I wondered, did you pay attention? I mean, you were getting ready for the main event, obviously, but I wondered, did you catch it on the monitor maybe? Did you go back and look at it afterwards? It was a pretty good knockout, a very good performance, but of course he was coming off of uh, a draw against Kyron Davis, which maybe was a, a bit of a gift in his favor. Uh, he, before that, he had been knocked out by David Benavides, who took the WBC title from him. But what, do you, what were your thoughts about that, that knockout and his recent performances? And even before that, when he fought Yojo, I mean, a lot of people thought that he lost that fight. True. And Yojo winds up being the mandatory for Canelo even before Darrell does when Darrell got his hand raised for that fight. So, um, and then when Marcos Hernandez, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't watching it leading up to my fight, mm-hmm. but, you know, I've seen the highlight. But, I mean, he's really a blown up 160 pounder who was getting stopped at 154 pounds. You know what I'm saying? So, I think he got stopped by Rosario at 154 pounds. So, you know, he, he talks about what he's going to do. He's going to knock me up. He's going to knock me out. He's going to beat me up. But who's the last guy that he knocked out? Who's the last guy that he beat up? I mean, When's I the last time he won? Yeah, yeah, yeah. against the super middleweight. So, you know, he's not knocking me out. He's not beating me up. He's not doing shit on fight, <laughs> on fight week except showing up, getting a check, and getting a vicious ass. So that's the guy's honest truth. And I think that he knows that. And that's why you hear all this, oh, I hate Caleb and, you know, all this extra just silly ass shit. Like, why would he care if I want to be friends with anyone in my weight class? So he, he don't he don't know me personally. We never hung out. I would never kick it with him. I mean, I don't have respect for the way he carries himself. And, you know, people who drink and go to the club, either you all in boxing or you all out. And I'm a person who's all in and I respect people who are all in. Now, when you were IBF champion... Uh, for a period of time, I forget, maybe it was like six, seven months or so, he was WBC champion. Your title reigns overlapped a little bit. Um, obviously, when there's two champions, particularly both of you guys are with PBC, uh, there's the thought, well, maybe they'll fight to unify their titles. At any point, well, when you were holding the IBF title and he was holding the WBC title, did you feel like, you know what, we can make a big unification fight? It didn't happen, of course. Now you're fighting in an eliminator to get another title shot. But what about when you were both champs at the same time? I mean, I would have loved that. Uh, that I mean, I would have been all over that. But, you know, after I won, they had, like most fighters, they had, um, especially the way that I won it, I mean, how many how many, ace, how many guys in this era winning a world title off being a B-side guy, like I was being an underdog mm-hmm. um, in a fight that you're supposed to lose? You know, not many guys are winning a world title like that these days. So after that, they gave me kind of a give-me fight, a, a freebie, one that I could go in and, you know, especially when they won a world title with only 17 fights, you know, still trying to build my experience. They gave me, you know, um, a gimme fight. And then after that, I had to fight my mandatory. It's either fight your mandatory or, you know, your belt is going to, you know, be took. And then there was a chance of me fighting Canelo. So, you know, we was trying to, you know, figure out that situation. And then it came to the point where if I fought another mandatory fight, a second mandatory fight in a row, then I would have a year's free worth and clear mm-hmm. of fights to make it my leisure that I wanted. And me won the Canelo fight. We went about facing a second mandatory challenger um, in a row with Caleb Truax so that I could have that year's free and worth and clear to make the biggest fight possible, whether hopefully with Canelo, but if not with, you know, any other big time super middleweight. And the Canelo fight came about, and so that's the route that we went. No, listen, all that makes perfect sense. I mean, I wasn't suggesting that in some way you were looking to avoid any no, 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 champion. No. You know, no yeah. doubt about it. Um, so, but th- now now that you're you're 
both former champions. This is an important fight for both of you guys because it is officially a WBC elimination fight. It's going to put the winner in a, I don't know if the winner is going to officially be the mandatory just yet, but it's certainly going to put you in a great position to get another title shot. Canelo, of course, is still uh, the champion uh, in the whole division as well as in the WBC. Um, so talk to me a little bit about just the stakes here because of the fact that it is an elimination fight. And I mean, tell me what you think about the prospect if you could get a Canelo rematch, being that you would maybe be a mandatory for him. I uh, and the first part of that question just so off. Oh, just that the winner is going to be uh, uh, in a number one position, and just how important it is to to get yeah. the victory because of the fact not only puts you in a in a in a great position to get another title shot, but I guess I guess down the road maybe uh, you know it could potentially be a rematch with Canelo based on the WBC's ratings. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a great position to be in. I've worked, you know, really hard to be in this position. And, um, you know, after the layoff from the Canelo fight, you know, I could have came back even with the momentum that I had. And as good as I did, I could have come back with a sparring session of, um, of a fight. You know, I could have chose anyone just to get my, you know, get back in the mix of things or whatever you want to call it. But I wanted to make the biggest fight that I possibly could. Not the biggest fight that's out there because coming off of a loss, you know, you're not really in a position to do that. And, um, you know, sometimes losers can't be choosers. And, you know, I lost my fight, so now I have to work my way back to the top. And um, But I wanted to make the biggest fight that I possibly could. And this is the this is the fight that we was able to make. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to putting on, you know, a show on our October 15th on Fox Pay-Per-View and um, being able to move on to bigger and better things. And I just, if I got to keep picking off one super middleweight at a time until I can get that rematch, then that's what I'm going to do. I think you just summed it up best. I think we're good here. That was a very good way to sum things up. Uh, Caleb Plant, thank you very much for the time, taking the time out to talk to me about your fight and what went on in the in the last year or so. Congratulations once again on the birth of your daughter, and I wish you nothing but the thank best you. of luck come uh, October 15th on the pay-per-view. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. Thank you. You bet, Caleb. Thank you very much. There you go, everybody. Former super middleweight champ, Caleb Plant. And a recap from you, and we'll wrap it up. Here we go. Three, two. Seems to be in a good frame of mind. Again, has not fought since November, so we're going on about a year. Why do we keep saying that? It's like a recurring theme. This guy hasn't fought in 10 months. This guy hasn't fought in a year. All right, so Plant took his time. Uh, He's got an intriguing matchup. Anything else from that conversation that you want to relay to the Fight Freaks Unite recap audience? Well, as as it relates to what you mentioned about the year layoff, uh, that doesn't totally shock me. Because it was such a, first of all, he made a ton of money in that fight. He made $10 million. So there's not a necessity to fight from a financial point of view. Secondly, um, he and his wife were expecting their child. So he was able to enjoy that uh, and that uh, experience. And he also, as people heard in the interview, he was uh, in the process of changing trainers where he parted with his longtime uh, trainer, Justin Gamber, to go and work now with uh, uh, Stephen uh, Breadman Edwards. And so all those things rolled into one. A one-year layoff, not the biggest shock in the world. And in boxing today, not not a really huge deal. Um, you know, Plant uh, has never been the most active. Um, you know, he got the big fight with uh, Canelo. He acquitted himself well despite the loss. And, you know, now he's getting ready to try to make another run and and uh, see what he can do with uh, with Darrell. It's a pretty good matchup, I think. Um, I think it's a, it's a for, for on that pay-per-view card, it makes for a very solid and quality uh, co-feature. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, Caleb Plant, uh, I have uh, given compliments to in the past because when they made the Canelo fight and I was vocal and did some YouTube interviews and wrote some stuff about, you know, and it was nothing against Caleb. I've known Caleb his whole career. I like him, actually. Um, 
but I basically said he's got no chance against Canelo Alvarez. Mm -hmm. And he, he heard those YouTube interviews, or at least one of them. And when we were in the scrum at one of the fights at the T-Mobile Arena, I forget what fight it was. This is like last fall. Uh, and he said to me, like some guys would give you a hard time. They'd, they'd cuss you out. They'd ignore you. They wouldn't talk to you, whatever. <laughs> Caleb Plant was a total pro. I give him a lot of credit. He came up to me. He said to me, I heard what you said. Uh, I'm going to prove you wrong and just promise me when I beat Canelo Alvarez, you'll come to me and tell me that I was wrong, you know, that you were wrong. I said, you got it. Never a personal situation. He was a total, a total pro. I appreciated that. And uh, I was, I was, uh, wasn't sure if he would do the interview with me, but he was fine about it. No issues. Listen, he's a he's a good guy and he's, he's a, he's a true professional. And I wish there was a lot of, a lot more of the, of the top boxers that would act like that when it comes to dealing with the media people. Uh, he gets it. Um, not, not personal, and uh, I appreciated the time, and he did a good job in can, answering all my questions. Can we interject that his wife, Jordan, this was part of her role. Her background is in television reporting. She became a reporter, a, a ringside uh, interviewer and post-fight interviewer for Premier Boxing Champions and for Fox Sports, etc. So maybe he has a better appreciation coming at it from that standpoint because this is what his wife, they've been married, what now, like three years, three something like that, yeah. two, three yeah, years? Yeah, I don't know how long they've been married, but maybe that's a very he, good point. because Maybe he has a better appreciation everybody's got a job to do Maybe. you know I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that but i mean i uh i have met his wife a few times when she was mm -hmm. covering fights and we've talked about uh you know about boxing stuff she does a good job on it when she's on assignment for her fox events and you know that's an excellent point maybe that is part of uh the reason for his extreme maturity level when it comes to dealing with media all right for this co-feature we'll talk more in the preview mode with Darrell. I, I guess the first point blank thing here coming off of this plant's obviously going to be confident can Darrell challenge him? Are you intrigued by that? Do you believe Darrell has something left when we get to this later on? We'll talk more specifically later in the week, but just real quick. Yeah, I think he can. And I say that because, uh, you know, he, look, he hasn't been in the greatest run ever. I mean, he, he had lost his title to David Benavides. Um, that was mainly on, on a, on a cut on the, in the, in the fight that took place back in 2019. He had a long layoff. His next fight was, he'll be the first to tell you, was not a great performance. He got a draw with Kyron Davis in the fight that he was favored to win. And then he had, um, you know, another like eight months after that. Then he came back and he fought actually on his last fight. So he and Plant are both fighting off the exact same. You mentioned about Caleb Plant's layoff. I don't think it really means anything, but even more so because he and uh, Plant, uh, Darrell and Plant are coming off the exact same length of time off because in Darrell's last fight, he boxed on the undercard of, Canelo Alvarez and Caleb Plant, and he scored a very impressive knockout against uh, Marcos Hernandez, which uh, I got, you know, Caleb's uh, point of view about in our interview, but he stopped him very impressively in the fourth round. And, uh, you know, look, Anthony Durrell is, is, have been a, had a, has had a good career, uh, maybe slightly underachieved to the eyes of some, but then there are those who might say he overachieved that the guy who came back after having cancer and, and, Twice was a WBC world champion in the super middleweight division. Um, you know, look, he's 37 years old now. Uh, you know, his career is coming to an end. I remember seeing him in the hotel in Los Angeles after the David Benavides fight. Uh, and it was just the two of us. He was hanging out by himself and I sat down with him and, you know, he was talking about retirement and uh, he thought about that. He obviously didn't retire because now he's had two fights since and he's having his third fight, but you know, he knows the end is near, but I think nothing would make him happier than to go out there and, you know, get a good solid victory against Plant in this WBC elimination fight and put himself in position to get another shot at the title. Okay. That fight later in the week, more in the preview mode. Dan just gave you a taste of it there. Listen, off the weekend, I think we're pretty good unless you have something else here. 
on the program. What else say you, Dan Rayfield, before we say I, bye-bye? I think we're good. We had some good recap action. We got a nice interview with Plant, and uh, we'll let the people get on. We'll let them listen to the uh, podcast and get on with their day. There you go. All right. Uh, and again, Wilder Hellenius, big coverage coming on Big Fight Weekend. Dan Substack, Fight Freaks Unite for that fight this week. Go backwards on this podcast feed, and you could hear from Deontay Wilder. Uh, Dan talked with him in the buildup. You're going to hear a lot more from Wilder later in the week, more from Caleb Plant later in the week. You didn't have to wait and hear it the week of the fight if you were with us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. That's where you find Fight Freaks Unite coming off the weekend. And the other, that, the other thing is, I think we're good. Uh, also, next Saturday is the undisputed lightweight title fight between Devin Haney and the rematch with George Cambosis. They can go back that's right. a couple of podcasts before that and listen to my interview with Devin Haney. We got all the bases covered. Yeah, no doubt that one in Australia. And again, because of the time displacement, it's Sunday afternoon again in, in Australia, but Saturday night, late night um, in the United States for the rematch. Will it be any different? Or as I like to joke around with the saying, same song, second verse could have got better. It's only going to get worse. That's that's how the saying goes. I just quote that. I don't know if it's going to get better or going to get worse for George Cambosis or be the same. Uh, if for this, I don't, I don't think it's getting here. any we'll better. See. Let's put it like All that. Right. We'll we'll find out in the preview mode coming up. But we got we also got the women's doubleheader in England earlier in the day that in, involves uh, Shields Marshall and also Mayor Baumgartner in the co-feature. That's the reschedule of that a month later. Uh, in England, because of the death of Queen Elizabeth, the fights had to be rescheduled. That's all coming this weekend. They want to be with us on this podcast feed to preview it. They want to read BigFightWeekend.com. They want to read your Fight Freak Substack. With that. I think there's uh, bedtime, nighty night in my future here shortly. But for the peeps, you got some good recap action. You heard from Caleb Plant. They should be good. Right, Brother Rayfield? Yes, sir. All right. You guys have a great week. Uh, Dan, be well. We'll talk to you later in the week on the preview show and the Bet US show. It'll be coming out on Friday live. Thank you, sir. You bet, TJ. There goes Dan Rayfield. I'm merely TJ Reeves. Again, follow or subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts to the Fight Freaks Unite recap.